Hey everyone, it's Pastor Mike Adkins, and I want to welcome you to Next Steps, where the teaching pastors of Grace Church help you focus on taking a next step in your spiritual life. If you're not listening there already, I invite you to take a moment to download the free Grace app. It's the best place to hear and share messages and to get connected with what's going on here in the life of our church. Just search Grace Church Orlando in your app store or head to discovergrace.com forward slash app to find it. Pastor Clint Harrison and Pastor Grant Nixon and I hope that these podcast conversations will help you take your next step toward Christ. Hey guys, welcome back to Next Steps, the podcast that helps you take your next step toward Christ. I'm here with Pastor Clint and Pastor Grant. What's going on? Hey everybody. We are so glad to be back with you guys. Today we are touching on a subject that is very important. It's probably one of the big apologetics against faith in God. Right. And it is an attack on his very character. It is the idea that God is an angry God, that God primarily, his personality is angry. And one of the big challenges with that is that people believe that because God is angry, that God does not deserve our worship, he does not deserve our affection, and in fact, pretty much... We can't even relate to him because he's such an angry guy. But that's not what we see in the Bible, is it, guys? No, not at all. But but it is absolutely a very common like objection that people have to faith. In, in fact, pretty recently, at least when we recorded this podcast recently, uh, Aaron Rodgers, um, the the footballman. You guys know the, the famous footballman? footballman. You can tell um, Grant is a huge sports guy. He, uh, <laughs> you know the footballman. He goes out. He throws the ball. Uh, so anyway, he. <laughs> He's dating Danica Patrick. Uh, she former former driver, right? She doesn't That's do right. that anymore. She, she just, no, no, she just, doesn't do it anymore. She just gets commercials. Around. Commercials. Guy, Geico, no, no, GoDaddy. I believe. GoDaddy. Is it GoDaddy? See, you've been on the okay. website. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, right. okay. Well, they don't pay for advertisements, so we're not going to talk about them anymore. But <laughs> That's right. We will only this talk about. Not brought to you by GoDaddy. Not brought to you. <laughs> Squarespace. Uh, so anyway, so uh, he goes on her podcast and he basically says this exact argument. He says, you know, he used to be really outspoken about his Christian faith, and then he finally says, I can't believe in a God anymore who would send people to hell. Like, how is that a loving God? And basically he's saying, God is, I think God is angry. I think he's angry with people. And so therefore I don't think he treats people well. And so I don't want to follow him. I don't want to believe in him. You know, it's interesting because I think this says more about our culture than it does God. Because Mm. for most of us... uh, you know, in our culture, we don't like the concept of anger. In fact, I think anger is sometimes a necessary and a healthy thing yeah. in your relationships and in trying to figure out who you are as a person. We yeah. have emotions because we're creating the image of God. Right. And that emotion is something that God himself has. And so I think to say just because God is perceived as angry, that that in itself would be a legitimate reason not to follow him or worship him. I mean, imagine if if we said to one another, anybody who expresses any kind of anger I'm not going to be in a relationship with you. Right, right. Mm -hmm. You know, like we have wives that get angry at us. We get angry at them. We get angry at our children sometimes. But we love them. In fact, I think we could argue that love, that rather anger is a part of love because it's protectionistic. Mm. That's right. Yeah, there's there's absolutely a piece of that. Like, for example, if... If if I were just walking around, um, just hulking out all the time, right? Like if I'm walking out and I'm just angry all the time, that's a problem. It and, is. And we would say that's a problem. That's right. But if you come up to me and my family and you threaten my family in some way, you threaten my children in some way, mm. and my response is anger, is anyone upset about that? Is anyone going, no. man, this dad, no. he just... He really has got to get it together. Look at him getting upset. In fact, don't you think if you didn't do anything in that situation, people would say that they would negligent? Yeah, and they'd get angry about that. Right. Right. So, yeah, so sometimes I I completely agree, Mike. Like, love and anger aren't at odds with one another necessarily, right? right? 
They can be, but they're not necessarily. Right. right, right. I mean, recently I was reading this article on psychology, and psychology's come out with this idea of primary and secondary emotions. And mm-hmm. in marriage, you know, anger, oftentimes counselors will tell you that anger is a secondary emotion. And so you're angry, but there's something behind the anger. Oh, interesting. That's right. And so yeah. in the same way with God, it's, it's easy for us to think, oh, God is angry. God mm-hmm. is anger. But like Pastor Mike said, God is love, and his anger is a response to sin, or a response to rebellion, mm-hmm. or a response to something that's off. Clint, I think that's exactly right. I mean, like when we look at the big picture of the scriptures, right? We don't start with us being sinners. We start with being created in an entire world of beauty and goodness and balance. Everything that God created was created to perfectly work with everything else. Right. The creation never rebelled against itself. Um, Adam loved Eve in a way that made her supremely happy, and that glorified yeah. God. And Eve glorified him and made him happy, and that glorified God. It was just amazing. There, there was no sin. There was no separation. There was no anxiety, no worry. But in that moment, like in the rebellion, because sometimes people go, what's the big deal? They just ate a fruit. No, no, no. What they did actually was overcome the supreme goodness that God put inside of them to say, I don't want that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want what I want. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not going to follow you anymore. And in doing that, it introduced sin into the world. That's and right. so people tend to think of sin as some kind of violation of some rule or something like that. But sin is way more than that. It mm. is a, like it is a force that has been applied to the world. The Bible says even though the, the world cries out, it creation groans That's right. in anticipation of yeah. being, you know, redeemed. And so I look at the big picture and I go, well, doesn't God isn't it justified for God to be upset at the fact that he created this beautiful, good thing he meant for our good, and we messed it up? Yeah. To me, at least in part, that requires some kind of frustrated response. Yeah. Absolutely. And that is and that is the loving response, right? I love you. Because he cares. I created something good for you, and now you're hurting yourself. I, I'll give you an example. Uh, my kids are playing baseball right now, uh, my mm. two older boys. And so awesome. we are at the... We're at the baseball diamond from like nine in the morning to like two in the afternoon. Is this T ball at this point? It's coach pitch. Okay, uh, it's okay. like a learning league. They're figuring nice. it out. Uh, there's a That's couple awesome. kids that I'm not sure are nine years old. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, like they've got five o'clock shadows. <laughs> got to check your IDs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still <laughs> learning. Like my son will he'll literally like stand with his glove behind his back because he's so relaxed, and I'm like, "You're gonna die." You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you've got to pay attention. Well, so the other day, so so my youngest son, his game finishes before my oldest, and so mm. they just go play. Like they go run around and play. So I turn around and I look. And he has climbed on top of the football bleachers. Right. So he's like 30 feet off the ground. Yep. And there's a there's a fence at the top of that, right, that people can lean up against or whatever. He has climbed on top of the fence. Oh, my gosh. He's just right there. And, and so immediately I just start shouting at That's him. Crazy. I run over there. He climbs down. And I go, come over here. I'd like to show you something. And I, I walk back under the bleachers, and I just point up. And I said, look up. That's where you were. Now, let me ask you this. If you were to, if you were to slip and fall to your left, where would you go? And I kid you not, he looked at me serious as can be, and he just goes, heaven? <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, maybe. But first, the ground, all right? right? That's the first place. And it's going to hurt. And I was so upset with him, and I was sure so angry with him. Sure and I got to be honest, I was a little embarrassed, too, that I was screaming in front of these other parents. But then, like, any parent that would have gone, man, why was he yelling at his son like that? Right. If any of them had It wouldn't seen, have been reasonable. 
if any one of them yeah. had seen them, him climbing on top of the back of these bleachers 30 feet off the ground, they would have, they would have yelled at me if I didn't yell at him, right? Like right. that is completely understandable. And it comes from a place of love. It comes from mm-hmm. a place of protection, right? Yeah, of care. And so, yeah, it makes sense that God would look at the sin in our life and he would look at what we've done to creation and he would be upset. And he would say, I don't want this for you. I want better for you. It's because I think we like don't associate sin with suffering. Like mm, we see it as point. just this thing that we do, yeah. but yeah. not the effect that it has. Good yeah. point. You know, and I think point. once otherwise we, we probably wouldn't do it. Right. <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't yeah. do it, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. so so because we don't associate sin with suffering, um, we don't see the response of God as a legitimate response. God's basically in the background going, "Man, I don't want you to have this broken down, yeah. constantly filled with drama kind yeah. of life." Like the Bible actually says, "Like make it your ambition to lead a quiet life," mm. and the concept within that is like the idea of peace and harmony, of shalom, Mm. you know, like it's wellness and goodness. That's God's desire for his people. We are to glorify him as his like, we are his showcase on this world, you know? But so often we just, we just embrace sin for whatever it is. Explain that a little bit. When when you say sin and suffering, what's the connection there? See, I think this, I think the connection is the outcome. Like you don't choose sin and not suffer at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And what I mean by that is like sin can, in the short run, it can feel good. Right. I mean, sin, you can, you can make a sinful choice and you can feel self-satisfied. I mean, that's essentially what happened to Adam and Eve. That's right. They made a temporary choice to quote, be more like God. But the, but the interesting thing about Adam and Eve was that they were never more like God than when they were living in obedience. Hmm. Right. It was something that came, I came across uh, a while ago and it was just such a simple thought. Adam and Eve were not created to live forever. Hmm. They were created to live forever only if they were obedient to God. Mm. But in their yeah, disobedience, it introduced death. That's right. And that death is what we're talking about when we're talking about suffering. Yeah. Like we die to ourselves. It's almost like because we're created in the image of God, that the more that we become sinful, the more distorted, twisted mm. we become, we're actually becoming less human. Yeah. 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 I, I like the connection there between the sin and the consequences. And, and I heard uh, Rick Warren talk about it one time, and he said, uh, all like sin can be private. Like you can, you can sin and no one can see it, but it never stays personal. Mm. And what he means is he said, you know, if, if I neglect my relationship with God for a day, I notice. If I neglect it for a week, my wife notices. If I neglect it for a month, my church notices. For sure. And so he's, he's just saying that there's the consequences, the corruption that we're experiencing from our own decisions to sin, it's going out into the rest of creation, right? And that's and what is what is Jesus doing now? He's restoring all things, yes. right? Like his yes. kingdom rule is restoring yeah. all things. So at the same time, when we choose to sin, we're, we're pushing against what God is doing in the world, and we're pushing against that, and we're causing more corruption yep. uh, to leak out into the world. And so, yeah, his, so anger, once we understand that, anger makes sense. And I think, I think everybody could, could with, a, with a, an objective, logical mind, could go, that makes sense. Like, I'm, I can understand that. You yeah. know, in that, I, I think that maybe you're listening, and it's not a moral issue for you. Yeah. It's not a theological issue for you. Maybe it is a cultural issue, like Pastor Mike was saying. I mean, it's very easy as Westerners to have a certain lens that shapes how we view anger and how we view God. Um, and the, it's, a, it's a particular struggle, I think, for Westerners in a way that other cultures don't deal with. So I'm married to a wife who is Chinese and American, and her mom's from Singapore. Her mother grew up in Singapore, and she had, I think, 15 or 16 different brothers and sisters. Wow. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. And uh, the way they view authority is very different than the way we view authority in America. Hmm. And so there is a huge deference to elders and authority and even understanding that whole relationship. And so Jean was telling me the story that her father was a sailor, was on a trip with his son. They had traveled a long distance, and they were smuggling gold in oil tanks. It's crazy. That is the coolest. <laughs> I, I, did, I had no idea where you are going with that story. <laughs> yeah. Already I'm on board. Yeah. That's Indian. So they're smuggling uh, gold in oil tanks, and they're waiting to arrive at a certain place so they can pull all the gold out and get the money from it. And right before they get to their destination, they get caught. Wow. And the authorities come to them and they say, hey, listen, we saw that y'all took this gold. We don't know who exactly, but we know that one of you did it. And the dad literally turned to his son, slapped him in the face and said, how dare you shame our family like this? What? Yes. And so his son, what did he do? He fell on his knees cried out and said, I am so sorry, Dad, that I've shamed you like this, and took the whole punishment. Went to jail. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. Whoa. Went to jail. The dad went away, scot free. And, I mean, can you imagine how, like, someone from America, I'd be like, what are you doing? I will <laughs> yeah. slap you yeah. in the face, yeah. Dad. That was right. you. You know that what was I mean? you, bro. That was not me. And yeah. so Amazing. the crazy thing is he had this deference to his dad. Yep. Mm. And he also, but it wasn't just that. He trusted his dad. His dad stayed there for six months, got a job, paid off the debt, got him out of jail, and they went home. Hmm. And so it was just this picture of they view authority as the ultimate. And so they don't have issues with, oh, there's an angry God, or there's a God who's a judge, or there's a God who's in control. They don't deal with that in the way that Westerners do That's right. because they have personal rights. They think, well, I have rights. I, I own this, and I get to pick and to choose and, and to say who God is, and that's not the case. Yeah, the, I mean, that's that's the Western individualism, right? Yeah, that, that's right. That no one's going to tell me what you know what I can do. How dare you be angry with me? Right. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, right. how dare you? I, I was in, um, I was in one of the the you know best places to go to interact with you know normal, respectful people. I was at Walmart, and uh, there was somebody losing their mind uh, at a register at somebody, like just losing their absolute mind mm-hmm. over something. And she was. This was at a Walmart. This was at a Walmart, oh, of course. Interesting. And she's <laughs> uh, she's screaming, like losing her mind, and the lady behind her who's not involved in this at all, but we're all involved now. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm having the time of my life. Like, this was, this <laughs> so is like dinner theater. I'd grab the Snickers and start eating it. <laughs> yeah, like, popcorn. it's like dinner theater. It was fantastic. Um, so welcome to an Enneagram 7, guys. Like, that's it. I'm like, all right, this is the party? Uh, so anyway, so the lady behind her finally says something to her. Like, hey, there are kids around and all this other stuff. And this woman turns to her and says, who do you think you are? Right, like, and and what was her point? Her point was, you don't have you. any authority over yeah. me. This culture, this society, all these people—I don't care what they think. They have nothing that they can say to me or or whatever. Right. right? And then I leaned up to that other lady and I was like, "Do you think we're a target? Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't <laughs> you can't talk to people." Uh, so anyway, she, but but that was the whole point, and that's our that that's our entire culture, right? Like, that's our entire culture yep. is this Western individualism. So it's not even so much that. I have a problem with God being angry. I have a problem with submitting to authority That's at right. all. Yeah. Yep. Let me flip it a little bit. And um, there's a there's a billboard actually in Orlando. Um, it's a billboard that says, God is not angry at you. 
Grace Church. <laughs> I think it's so one of the best designs that? Kelly's ever done. <laughs> I think. No, that is not Grace. I am that is not this Grace Church's billboard. But it's really interesting because people come in, right? And they want, they are so mad. You know, we'll get phone calls sometimes. People will be like, how dare you? That's theologically incorrect. Can't, can't, I can't believe. And we're like, no, 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 it's not us. And so we'll be like, write letters to these people. That's that's who that is. And then we'll have people walk in the church and go, man, I love your billboard. We're like, thanks. We, we do too. It's awesome. Welcome to Grace. <laughs> so we use it both ways. But it's interesting because the idea of like God is not angry with you. I mean, going back to kind of what we were talking about before, I think that could actually send the opposite message. I mean, I know the intention behind the message is God's not in the background just trying to destroy you. Sure. You know, and I think the intention sure. behind the billboard is good. It right. is a little bit wrong, though. And, and it's right. wrong in the sense that, like, sometimes there are things that are so important that it's legitimate to be angry about. Mm-hmm. And right. if there's nothing that's important enough to be angry about, there's nothing that important. Mm-hmm. And so that goes for you and me as well. Like, we talked about earlier how... You know, if your child is heading, if somebody, you know, threatens your child right. or if they're doing something silly that could hurt them, right. we get angry because we have so much love for them. Right. And so I think like the, I, like one of the things our culture has done is separated the concept of love and anger and said, they, these two things can't coexist. It's not true. But yeah, it's not true, but they have to coexist because if on the one hand, Anger's totally done away with. Then there's no intensity to the relationship. There's no, like certain things require a response of anger Mm. because I'm protecting, I'm overseeing, I'm watching, I care. Right. You know, going back to, you know, some of the bigger challenges that like historically we've had, you know, I mean, there were people in Germany that got really angry with what was taking place in Germany and pushed back on the culture that was headed in a direction that was just really evil and wicked. And so the ones who didn't get angry, we now look at historically mm. and we say they were contributors to it. Yeah, mm. yeah. They were actually like, they, they contributed to the terrible slaughter. Why of were you not people. angry? Yeah, they were passive. Why were you not? Yeah. That's right. You were so hateful by not being angry. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so like when we think of God, God's anger is a righteous kind of anger, which means it's ultimately good. It's a kind of anger that's actually there because he loves us so it's much. It's a right response. And we messed, yeah. everything, we messed everything up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so speaking of the gospel and God's love and even God's anger, it says in Romans chapter 3 that God put Christ forward as a propitiation yes. to show that he was both just and justifier because he previously passed over sins. And so what that means is is that God said, hey, I'm going to pass over former sins like genocide and all these yes. horrible atrocities, and I'm going to send my son to die for those sons. Mm. And so I'm not just saying I wouldn't be a bad, I would be a bad judge if I just said, hey, no big deal. I know genocide happened. I know all these terrible things happened. I know somebody was driving drunk and killed your your son or whatever and all of these things. But in all of that, he says, I'm not just going to pass over that. I'm going to provide a way. I'm going to provide my son who's yeah. perfect, who lived a life that you can't live, and he's going to be the sacrifice on your behalf. So, I mean, it's it's God's love, but he actually poured out his anger on his son That's right. to pay for our sins. I, I think it's one of the most beautiful things that you can possibly um, ever experience. And that's, you know, and it's weird. Can we just say that? Yeah. Like yeah. what God did doesn't actually make sense to us most of the time, because when we think of justice, we think of, you know, somebody did something wrong, they're standing in, in, a, in a courtroom, they're judged, and then they're sentenced. But imagine, you know, standing in a courtroom, 
the person who did something wrong is not there. They chose some random person. They put him there and they said, we're going to put the sentence on you. All of us would be like, that's outrageous. Why in the world would you do that? That's unjust. And so from God's perspective, he actually takes the injustice against himself by putting an innocent person, Jesus, in the place of us and then condemns him. I mean, like, it's staggering to think about that because, you know, like you've got... You've got Jesus, and he's been physically beaten. He's been bruised for our iniquities, all of that. But that's not the real. That's not the real condemnation. It was the psychic condemnation that took place. It's like mm. the Father, when Jesus is on the cross, he turns away from him. Why? Yeah. He can't. Jesus became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. But in order for God to do that, he had to turn his back on his Son. And don't even theologically ask me how to explain that because I don't yeah. know how that works. We just know the Bible right. teaches it, yeah, right? Yeah. So there. But the emotions of Jesus, as somebody who's totally innocent. All of our sin being dumped on him in that moment mm-hmm. and the father turning away. Man, it, I just, it is a staggering form of love that exceeds our, our complete understanding. It's, it's a beautiful thing, especially when people are thinking about God being angry about their sin. You can say, absolutely. And he pointed that anger back at himself. At himself. Yep. You know, so it's, true. it's an unbelievable picture. That is so true. But you know, I have a question, and, and um, maybe you guys can kind of speak to this a little bit. When you hear this argument about God being angry, uh, typically it points to hell being the, the ending of that anger. Right. Um, and that being what upsets people so much. So I wonder, yeah. what do you guys think about that? Like, how can you, can you speak to that at all? Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think at the end of the day, the concept of hell as something that God sends you to is a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we, were, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers at the beginning, yeah. right? And right. this was obviously something that became a mental stumbling block for him. He found it incongruent to be able to believe in a God who would send someone to hell. Well, I don't think that we believe in a God who sends people to hell. I think what we believe in is people who send themselves to hell. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, you know, you've got, you've got Jesus who provides the solution, right? In other words, here's Jesus who dies for our sins, opens up salvation to us, and all he says you have to do is trust him. Yeah. So, so really, at the end of the day, because we all screwed everything up, and, and again, sometimes people have trouble with the original sin idea, that, that Adam and Eve's sin is imputed to them. Okay, let's put that to the side. Yeah. I don't want to. But if you, even if you do. But even if you, you do. You still have sin in you. You're still screwing up, man. However you want to think about that, you've right. done your share of stuff that has separated you from God and fallen short of the glory of God. So at the end of the day, like for us, we've also we've all contributed to the brokenness of the world. And God's desire is is ultimately instead of putting us on trial, he puts himself on trial and then he condemns himself. It's a powerful picture of redemption, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm. But God's not sending us to hell. We're choosing not to trust him. You know, yeah. and and in any relationship, even earthly relationships that we have right now, if I don't trust my wife and she doesn't trust me, then guess what? We're not gonna walk together forever. Right. It's bad news. It's yeah. it's destruction. Yeah. It's yeah. the seed of destruction in yeah. a relationship. Yeah. And so God's just like, listen, I'm going to give you this entire life. And think about that for a second. Like, mm. I'm going to give you whatever, however long you have, and all you you have one primary task: learn how to trust me. Mm. Which yeah, I loved your picture about sin uh, earlier, where you're talking about how it's a corruption of the good. And so as we sin, uh, C.S. Lewis has an idea of we become hell. Like as we mm. sin and we yeah. we live that corruption. Uh, we will become hell unless God steps in and stops it. Right. Unless God right. steps in, we place our, our trust in him, and That's he right. stops it, and he says, now I'm going to begin a good work in you, and I'll bring it to completion on the day of Lord Jesus, of, of Christ Jesus, right? Yeah. And so it's it's this beautiful thing of, yeah, he's not sending us, 
we are sending our we are becoming that we are becoming that and we need his restoration and he provides a way for us and i had a uh, I had a, a, a professor used to say this all the time i don't know where the quote originated from but he always used to say that speaking about hell he said you know in heaven he said god is not a cosmic rapist forcing himself on anyone and and lewis speaks to that and he says there's only two kinds of people those who say thy will be done to god or those to whom god in the end says thy will be done that's right, right. Yeah. and so we have this opportunity. Everyone, whosoever will, right? Like that's that's yeah. our good news. Yeah. That's, right. that's our that's our inclusive exclusivity, yep. right? Yep. Is that is that God looks at us and He says, "You don't have to become this. Yeah. You don't have to be hell." Like I, we can stop this. I can restore all things, and it's so much so my desire that I'll stand in that courtroom, as you talked about. I'll stand in that courtroom and condemn myself to provide that life for you. It's it's a it's a beautiful picture. There's a great book by C.S. Lewis. You mentioned him a moment ago. There's a great book called uh, The Great Divorce. It has nothing to do with mm. um, relationship divorce. It's my favorite. C.S. It's my Lewis favorite C.S. Yep. Lewis book, I too. Um, I probably read it twice a year. Yeah. But one of the things that's so beautiful about it is it is a great picture. It is a great picture of what you just described. Mm-hmm. He says this. I mean, it's obviously an allegory, so it's not something that he's basically saying this is actually how it works. Sure, right. But you know, in his world of how it works in the afterlife, people have the opportunity to go back and forth. But it's so fascinating that they have become something, right? Throughout their life, they've trained them to become something that even the concept of heaven, they don't delight in it. Yeah. They don't want it. So they choose this small life of hell, right. yeah. you know, instead of this expansive life of the goodness of God. And I think we experience that even here and now, you know, yeah. I mean, more and more that you press into your sin and become less and less like God, the more uncomfortable you become with God. You know, Psalm 1, blessed are those who don't walk in the way of the wicked, stand with those who are sinners, or sit with those who are scoffers. There's an increasing degree of comfort with sin. You know, I've, I started mm. with walking, now I'm standing with them, and now I'm sitting with them. Mm. And you become more and more comfortable with that, and that becomes our way of life. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we are uh, at the end of the podcast. We appreciate you guys. And I want to encourage you to go to iTunes and subscribe and make sure that you rate that podcast five stars. If you would, it would help us be able to get the word out to more and more people. We're so grateful to be with you every Wednesday. This is Pastor Mike, Pastor Clint and Pastor Grant. See you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope to see you this weekend at a Grace campus near you. Get all the details and more resources at discovergrace.com.